0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Optive Theology Podcast. I'm Andy Schmidt here with my dad, Ty Tyrone Schmidt. Um, Thank you for doing this. Uh, We're just doing a testimony podcast. So, my dad's going to give his whole testimony. And, yeah, I mean, you know the drill. I'm going to just shut up. And if I have any questions, I've heard it before. So,. I I might not have as many questions. I'll try to ask a couple questions in between, but basically you can just say whatever you want and go from there. So here you go.
1: All right. Well, um, yeah, feel free. If you do have any questions that you think people would want to know or whatever, feel free to, feel free to ask. um, Okay. I'll just jump in. Um so my testimony is basically um I grew up in a non christian home um neither of my parents were religious uh in my in my upbringing at all in fact um you know, there was really no discussion about God unless maybe uh, my sister or I brought it up um we didn't go to church at all. Um, it just really wasn't something that my parents, um, you know, that they encouraged or, or even talked about in our house. Um, my mom uh, grew up Catholic and she had uh, some bad, bad experiences with that um, from her perspective. So she really didn't want to embrace um, Im- just put that in her family life as an adult and my dad went to church as a as a kid but um he had seriously drifted off that path um as far as religion or church or anything like that and and he was just living you know his own life kind of the way he wanted to but um so you know growing up in my house we just we didn't have any any religious discussions or anything like that. My, I mean, the kind of the first thing, or that maybe the overarching uh, issue in my house was that my dad was an alcoholic, um, and he was uh, he was verbally and emotionally abusive. Um, I guess how that played itself out or how that does play itself out is that um, it just causes a ton of issues within a family. Um, there's there's what they call family rules that um, everybody has to live by. And if somebody sh- sh- rocks the boat, then all chaos uh, breaks loose. Um, yeah, there's usually verbally, verbal and emotional abuse in, in alcoholic families. Um, As a child, as a kid, you don't know that that's what's happening. Uh, You just think you're growing up in a normal house. You just think that's what everybody else's house is like. But um, as you get older, you start to realize that um, this is not normal (laughs) and that um, there's real problems going on And that, um, you know, most of the time you've been uh, abused or damaged in some way as, as a child growing up in a situation like that. Um, so, you know, I experienced all that. Um, my, my dad's main love besides um, drinking was, was golf. Um, he was pretty much constantly gone uh, for the most part, either, either working or if he wasn't working, he was golfing. Um, and then he would come home after golf, either, you know, late, later evening, or, or really late at night, and he'd be, he'd be drunk, um, which is when, you know, there'd be a lot of uh, just difficult things that would happen. I mean, I, there's about a 1000 examples of, of uh, things that wouldn't have gone on in a normal household, but, but they go on in, in mine, but, um, and, and then, you know, arguing and with my mom, between my mom and him. Um, so typically when my dad was home, uh, unless it was right away in the morning when he was getting up to go, uh, if, you know, he would, he was usually gone, but if he was home, he was usually intoxicated. Um, my mom, she kind of uh, maybe coped with this, but also they they had some they had some pretty severe marriage problems and there wasn't a whole lot of support between the two of them. So my mom kind of had to work uh, to support her, us and herself. and um, she worked a lot. and so she was gone. Uh, a lot and her shifts would change all the time so sometimes she'd be gone you know at uh, for her second shift like from three to eleven or whatever and sometimes she'd do the overnight shift where she'd be gone doing the third shift and um, and she was
0: wasn't she a realtor she did real estate and worked at the phone company
1: she became a yeah she she did become a realtor uh, later on when I was in high school um, so yeah she did work two jobs later on um, and so she was gone even more then um, and so yeah a lot of our a lot once my sister and I got to a certain age which was pretty young um, we were pretty much by ourselves I mean like all the time like we come home you know you know some of the stories Andy, that you've heard about me coming home and uh, taking all the good food before my sister could get to it cause she had like track practice or whatever. And then she would get home and she'd get mad at me cause I ate all the good food. And you know I pretty much did what I want. I came home and ate cookies and candy and then sat on the couch for five hours and watched TV. And I mean, didn't do homework. I just, I just did whatever I wanted really. Um, and that started at a pretty early age. Uh, so in a lot of ways, you know, we were kind of alone and we raised ourselves in some ways. Um, so, I mean, as far as, so that was kind of how our home ran. Um, just as far as my dad's alcoholism, I mean, personally, it, it really affected me as a person in a very, very negative way. I don't, I mean, I, like I said earlier, I didn't know that when I was little. But as I got older, and especially once I became a believer, I realized how much that impacted me, and it was it was enormous. It was a huge amount of things that that impacted in my life. So, um, and I'll and I'll talk a little bit more about some of that as we go. But um, it had a really enormous impact on I me, and I think that's I think that's normal. I think that's very common for anybody growing up in that situation. Um, but people deal with it in different ways. Um, so I kind of I felt pretty abandoned by my parents uh, as a kid, and and uh, pretty alone uh, as a child. Like you know, I just didn't feel like anybody was there for me, especially my family. Um, my sister and I really didn't get along at all. We were both, I think, trying to survive, and so you know, as we got into junior high and, and high school we just didn't we just didn't you know really um interact that much and kind of went off our separate ways so
0: and just for i'm yeah. going to be dropping your sister reagan's podcast like after this one so they can hear both of the stories okay from both of you guys
1: yeah that that would be cool i'm looking forward to listening to that too um yeah that would that would be neat to see the how she how she looked at everything and how she dealt with everything but um, she's gonna
0: say all the things that you said is a lie <laughs> 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 no, I, no, that's I, not what happened no. i already recorded it yeah yeah okay
1: <laughs> Just, um well you never know but as a so so i don't know anyway uh as a young as a young child i remember you know, as a a really young kid, I remember the things that kind of stick out to me was just a lot of sadness, um, a lot of fear. I remember hearing my parents argue at night and just the yelling and different things and just kind of feeling as as a really young kid, you don't really understand what's going on and you cannot process why all this is happening. And it's really chaotic. And I just remember a lot of fear and a lot of, um, I would say almost like terror And crying you know as a young kid by myself in my room listening Um, you know those are things that I that I remember Um, you know there were there were some good times um, but they were pretty few and far between Um, but but you know there were some good times good things that that did happen um, where one of my parents would would step up and do something Uh, for us and 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 it was exciting or whatever but um, I could um, as far as big events or things like that you know there weren't there weren't too many Um, but so yeah that was kind of how how I grew up Um, so let's see so how my how how my dad's alcoholism kind of affected me going forward Um, I mean, I saw, I saw how my dad lived his life. I saw, you know, him drinking, I saw him smoking. I mean, I was, he would sometimes take me with him to the golf course so that I, you know, I'd walk with, with the four guys playing golf for 18 holes. And then he'd sit in the bar with his buddies for a few hours afterwards. And I'd eat, you know, Snickers bars and walk around the, the country club and, um, I just, you know, I saw how he lived. I saw how he came home, how he acted when he came home, you know, that he drank and everything. And that really impacted me. Um, obviously, uh, the, uh, the first time that I ever tried drinking was when I was in sixth grade. Um, that was the first time I actually got drunk. I got really drunk. Um, and that's a direct result of, you know, just just being just wanting to i was asking my friends you know if we could try it if we could try it because i saw my dad doing it and i wasn't i wasn't afraid of it or i i just i wanted to to do it and and so um got drunk for the first time in in sixth grade um i started smoking cigarettes like my dad did uh in either fifth or sixth grade sneaking sneaking them from his packs and, and and smoking um and then you know as as time went on, and I started hanging around kind of the wrong crowd um i you know I started experimenting with other stuff um I smoked weed for the first time in seventh grade, and um I kind of continued with all these bad habits um, and and became kind of more more entrapped and more um kind of stuck in the in this kind of way of life as as time went on um another thing that was a part of my life was um that kind of is a big part or has been a big part of of my past is that when i was around six or seven i was exposed to or i guess i could say i found uh pornography and that's a really young age to be processing what you're seeing and i was basically i was by myself so i had no way to really talk to anybody about it i was extremely young i mean i was pretty much instantly um drawn to it once i saw it and i kept coming back to it and back to it um even at that young age so that that began something at a very young age that I struggled with into my thirties. So clearly it had a huge effect on me. And I was at that age, at six and seven, I was way too young to know how to deal with what I was seeing. Um, so it had a, it had a huge impact on my life and it had deep roots. Um, and I'll probably talk about that a little bit more later, but, um, so by the time I hit high school, I was hanging out with people that, you know, even my sister was saying, you need to stop hang, hanging out with these people. They were just, they were the wrong people. They were bad influence. They were the, all the kids that came from broken homes. Their parents were, were divorced or their parents were maybe alcoholics or had other issues. And we all tended to gravitate to each other um, because what we weren't finding at home we were finding in each other as a group. I mean, really, these friends of mine actually became more of a family to me than my family was. Because my family wasn't really there. They were gone. And I, I had all the time in the world to with these guys to make those connections. But the downside of that was that most of our relationships revolved around alcohol in the beginning and getting in trouble and then eventually uh, moved into drugs and other things, so, um, and girls, obviously. Um, but, you know, by the time I hit high school, I was I was with the wrong crowd. Um, my grades were absolutely horrible. Um, you know, I mean, Andy's seen some of my report cards from high school, and it's just like F, 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 D, F, F, D, D.
0: They're like mine.
1: Yeah, were yours that bad?
0: I think my at, towards the end of high school they yeah. got that bad, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. I tried to uh convince you that that wasn't the way to go but uh <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that didn't work. No. No. So, um So, yeah, I was and, I, and and by that time even in high school I was already dependent i'd already I was already like starting a dependence on on alcohol and definitely cigarettes and chewing tobacco and all this stuff I had a nicotine addiction by that time um, so by my senior year you know I, I i had already some of the things that had happened over those four years I'd already had my license my driver's license taken away i had I, because I was operating i got I got busted for drunk driving um, which is a whole story in and of itself, which i can't I would love to share that, but it would just take too long um but you know there's like a million stories coming from freshman year through senior year that would take up an hour and a half, but um they would be interesting but uh
0: we could do a podcast. <laughs> called like st- stories with ty yeah and you could just tell about all the messed up stuff that you did
1: oh it would be it would be entertaining for sure yeah yeah there, there uh, is a lot of messed up you've heard a lot of them maybe not yeah. all of them so yeah. they are they are interesting so it's
0: the best part is when you when you tell me the story like when you told me the story about when you guys like drove through the intersection uh you and you and that one girl in the car <laughs> You yeah. like drove through the intersection, like the wrong way, like yeah. right through it. And then we'll be driving, and you'll be like, This is the intersection. That's that it. That we did it at. Yeah. yeah. And you'll point Again. at it. And then <laughs> that's what happened.
1: <laughs> so, this is where I almost died. And I almost yeah. had five other people with me die. Yeah. Uh, because it's time I almost did Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. We're not laughing because it's funny. No. It's just
1: bad. Yeah.
0: That's, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes. And should I be telling my kids those stories? I don't know. But anyway, um, so, so yeah, by my senior year, you know, I, I was, I I mean, I was partying all the time. I wasn't hardly ever going to school. My grades reflected that, um, I I, I still hanging out with the wrong people. You know, I, I, by this time I'm smoking weed regularly. I'm drinking all the time. Um, know I'd have friends over my mom would work the third shift like I said I'd have friends over on school nights we'd just get totally wasted and you know just stay at my house and um whatever so um and you know at that by that time a lot of my friends were at the beginning stages kind of starting to experiment with other things besides weed and besides alcohol and um you know things were really progressing. So, um, and and I found out and I probably could have found this out earlier, but I think it was my senior year. I found out that I wasn't going to graduate on time because my grades were so bad. Um, I didn't like that. That was stressful. Um, and I and and by the time senior year was maybe you know already moving forward, and and I was getting maybe towards the middle or the end you know there's this buzz with everybody around you that's in your class with what they're going to do with their future you know who's going to do what where are you going to college what are your plans and i didn't have any i mean i was i my plans were i wasn't going to graduate on time or maybe i wasn't going to graduate at all and i just remember feeling like this kind of like this kind of depression like oh my goodness i'm not i'm not I mean I'm not going anywhere everybody else is going somewhere where am i going i'm I'm not going anywhere um i'm I might be back here in a year that's that's awesome you know everybody thinks that's really cool so <laughs> you always want to come back um so you know there was there was that um you know by that time I was definitely an addict with alcohol I mean I had a substance abuse problem and I had a job but it was a dead end job at a pizza place so it wasn't I was looking at my life and it just didn't look like things were like like there was a bright future ahead of me it didn't look too good um and then you know really towards the end of my senior year my friends really did start to drastically change and um they started to get in they started to experiment with the hard drugs like you know LSD and and um shrooms and you know just just different things that I at that point didn't feel comfortable with for some reason and and with that with them moving towards that our friendships were changing and I could see this was like my family you know these friendships were like my family because of what I said earlier and I could see that I could see them moving away from me and from each other because they were moving towards the drugs. And um, it was, I don't know how to explain it, but like the friendships just started to be less important and the drugs started to become more important basically. So um, that was really hard for me because it wasn't like, if I wasn't doing the drugs, with them then i wasn't i wasn't considered um as good of a friend i guess at that point and i and i wasn't willing to do that at that point and i like i said i don't know why god by god's grace i just wasn't i was kind of afraid of going into you know doing some of these other drugs um and and you know that was just a really hard thing for me to experience watching all these people that were like a family to me kind of going in these other directions and i felt you know with all this other stuff I'm, i gotta come back to school next year i'm a fifth year senior I have a dead-end job uh, my friends are going away everybody else has a future i don't it just you know it was just it was a really difficult time um i still have i still have nightmares sometimes even at you know this age or around this age where um I'll I'll be in my senior year in my dream and I can still feel the panic and anxiety that I felt back then. And it's like, it's like a nightmare. So, um, so, you know, that's kind of where I was at at that point. Um, and so all of that leading up to, um, one night, um, a friend of mine called me and he's like, and we didn't have cell phones, okay? We didn't. We had phones that hung on the wall, and you call people by pushing buttons, you know. So, my friend called me, and he's like, um, "Hey, you know, meet me out at Lonely Lane. Um, we're, you know, just we're we'll just hang out and whatever." So, and we would do that sometimes, but we met out at this road called Lonely Lane. It's 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 outside of town, kind of in the middle of nowhere and um we just sit out sit out there and talk talk about girls you know smoke cigarettes whatever and um that night was a normal night but um, how, old you? This, how old are you i i, I was probably almost 18 cuz i was young in my senior year so i was 17 yeah. um so i was probably i was definitely 17 but i don't know where i was at in 17 yeah. towards the end maybe but um so yeah we met up we met out there and um we were talking and everything and and like while we were out there and while we were you know in the middle of conversation whatever i just had this overwhelming sense of like despair and depression like like something i haven't felt before and it was. It was just overwhelming. It was enormous, and if I were if I were to put it in a word picture, um, or maybe sometimes I think that I actually saw this, but I don't I don't know if I did at the time or if I've just put it in a word picture in my mind this way. But it felt like it felt to me like God was pulling out the carpet from underneath my life, and th- that was what was underneath. That was like a just a dark, deep black pit like he had pulled out the carpet and there was nothing underneath there to sustain me
0: and I was I was about to fall into that and um do you think that was death like do you think that was like maybe death or something
1: I think I think it could have been death it like physical death but I think in any event it was some form of death I think it also could have been this is where you're headed you're headed towards yeah. Terrible, you know, like, wh- I mean, if my dad was where he was at and I'm 17 and I'm doing all this stuff, you know, all this bad stuff, where am I going to? Where am I headed? I'm heading in a worse place than he was actually at. So,
0: yeah.
1: you know, death in that sense. Um, and the thing about this is that I didn't know anything about God. <laughs> I just knew that night that God was trying to tell me something. I didn't know anything about him other than that. It's not like this had ever happened before. I just knew that God was trying to tell me something and it freaked the crap out of me. I was petrified. I was like, okay, what is happening here? Mm -hmm. And um, I, I didn't know what to think about it. I didn't tell my friend. I was just experiencing it while we were there. And, and I, I mean, I, I just remember how I felt, and it was terrifying. And I ended up going home that night, and, you know, this was really obviously on my mind, and I'm like, you know, what what is going on? And I remember um, I knew that my dad, you know, this was really concerning me, clearly. So I knew I had to figure out, like, what the heck was happening. And I remember that my dad had a Bible on his dresser the same dresser that's still in in his room right <laughs> now, you know, um, nothing changes, but he had a Bible on his dresser. And I can't tell you why the Bible was there because my dad never read the Bible. Um, it just was there. It was just on his dress, on his um, tall dresser, right. When you walk in his bedroom. And um, I, I grabbed that when I got home and I brought, took it in my room and I started reading it. I started reading Genesis. I started reading the story of Adam and Eve mm-hmm. and creation. And it
0: was it was a King James version, right? It was a it was, it was a
1: King James version, yes. Yeah. Which, which which I was basically illiterate at that point. <laughs>
0: I probably <laughs> had
1: an eighth grade education because I didn't go to school and I was trying to decipher the King James Version, but I understood it enough to to grasp what was going on. And um It was really overwhelming because I sensed something happening like literally in my bedroom that -hmm. there was some sort of like there was a war going on for my soul and that that was happening in real time, like in my bedroom at my house.
0: I mean, your bedroom, your house was probably just filled with demons and they're probably like, why is this kid? Why is he just come home, read the Bible today? Like, why did you just do that?
1: Yeah, I never actually thought about it that way. That's probably true.
0: My house I'm sure my house had
1: demonic stuff going on. They're probably
0: on. freaking out cuz that Bible probably was on this. They're like, "Yeah, you can keep that Bible there cuz nobody's going to read it." <laughs> and then you came home and grabbed it and started reading and there's probably like serious demonic warfare going on in your house.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's probably what it was cuz I and I felt it. I knew something was happening like in my bedroom as I was reading this and it was just crazy. So, um, so, so over the next few months, I would say that, that, that situation kind of, you know, it's, it instigated a a trajectory, a different change in trajectory for me. And, um, over the next few months, um, i would i would be you know watching television and i would i would read the bible too i i remember i would continue reading it but um i remember look watching television because i had tv in my room and um sometimes i would i would pass by like billy graham and i would watch him and i was like dude this guy like knows what he's talking about and and then charles stanley was another guy and And like, I, that's pretty much how I became a believer was watching those guys on TV talking about Jesus, like just not knowing anything. I didn't know anything. Nobody even knew. I don't think that I was doing any of this, but I would come home and I would watch TV or I'd read the Bible, the King James Bible. I had a little, I had a little note of pieces of paper. I still have them actually, that if I didn't understand a word in the King James Bible which was probably most of them <laughs> but a lot of them I would look it up because there it had a concordance in the in the Bible itself so I would look it up and I'd have all these words written out with their definitions so it would really slow things down but yeah um you know so so that's pretty much how I became a believer was 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 just watching TV watching these guys talk about Jesus on TV and then um that was really it because they were putting it all together for me. I know me just reading it, I was reading the stories. But when you're watching somebody preach the gospel, they were putting it all together for me. And I, I, I believed it. I believed it. So I don't know exactly when it happened, but I know it was, you know, over that time period that I became, that I became a believer. Um, And, and then after I became a believer, I remember, you know, like opening to Proverbs and reading like the first three or four chapters of Proverbs. Like my son, you know, pay attention to my instruction. Listen to listen to what I have to tell you. And just all this wisdom that I had didn't know existed. And I and I was like, why didn't somebody tell me this? Why, 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 why don't I know this stuff? And I was like, it, it changed me. It like it like made a huge impact on me. For the better but i was also kind of like wait a second how long you know why didn't i know this before and that was shocking to me
0: um it's because the church doesn't do its job well
1: <laughs> that's that's possibly part of it um okay so 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 there's you know there's a definitely a transition period over time um, from me, you know, I became a believer, and then kind of trying to figure out what that all meant and everything. Um, so, you know, I would I would still be going to parties once in a while with with my friends, and um, I would still be um, smoking and drinking. And I did re- I do remember having a lot of guilt about those things over time, and um, I remember josh my basically my best friend um who you who you know andy um we just went and visited him about a month ago with with you and met, saw his family, but I remember me and him you know at a party and i and I'm telling him some of this stuff, you know, like hey, and I was telling him i want to go to church, I want to find a church, and he's like, and he grew up in a Christian household, but he just was not living for christ at all he was doing bad stuff with me
0: i'm going to try to get him to do his testimony oh
1: yeah that would be awesome yeah, yeah. and so he um he's like well, do, well why don't we go why don't we go to the church i grew up at? i grew up i'll take you to the church i grew up at and i'm like all right you know let's go and he, so we're at this party we're drinking all these people are around and we're like telling everybody hey, man, we're going to church tomorrow. You know? <laughs> we're, we're, we're just, we, got, we got our beer in our hand. We're like, we're going to church. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. So um, so the next morning we did, we got up and we went to church and he took me to High Point Church, which used to be Middleton Baptist, which is where he went to school as a kid. So that was my first experience at High Point Church. I, I went. Um, what was this, like
0: 1993, 94?
1: This was in 1993 or 92. And the pastor was Dick Sisson, and I think the first day I went was the day he announced his retirement. Okay. Um, So, so anyway, same
0: building, same building that we go to now. Yep. That's the church. For people who don't know, that's the church that we go to now. Still, different. Obviously, different pastor. Yeah. (laughs) But
1: yeah. Yeah. So, so he took me there. And, and I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Um, and, you know, began attending on a regular basis. Um, and, he, and eventually, you know, having one foot in, one foot out and drinking, that just didn't work for, for too long. And I, I realized that I needed to make a break from, my, from, from the people that I was hanging out with because I wasn't going to be able to live for God. While I was hanging out with those people i just I I couldn't do it so um so uh <clears throat> so you know there's a couple of stories with this so so one day, I wanted to quit drinking, I knew God wanted me to quit drinking. There's a story that goes behind that too, but I don't think we have time for that but i I wanted to quit drinking, I knew God wanted me to quit drinking and smoking eventually, and I felt really convicted about it and um and i just i i i just got down on my knees one day in my bedroom and i prayed and i was like god i don't think i i'm i'm almost positive i cannot stop drinking and smoking i don't think there's any way that i'm going to be able to stop drinking and smoking i'm just i feel like this is something that's really ingrained in me and i don't think i'm going to be able to quit and i said if you can if you can help me stop for for one month for 30 days I will, I will try. I will try it. And that was my prayer. And I, I tried to stop and I was able to stop for 30 days. Like he, he did it. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't drink or smoke for 30 days. Was it hard? Yeah, it was hard. I remember it. I remember how I felt now. It was very difficult. um, Especially the smoking part, because I was physically addicted to smoking. I think I was more um, psychologically and emotionally addicted to alcohol and that became harder later on but for that first month it was really hard and once 30 days passed I was like it you know it worked wow you know this is this is amazing and I, I asked God if if I said God if you can do this for 30 days you can probably do it for longer so maybe we should just keep going and yeah and that's what happened. And, and I stopped I, at that point, I stopped both those things. And that was absolutely awesome. But during that time, <clears throat> I couldn't be around anybody who was, who was doing that stuff, because I would have, I would have started doing it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I stopped hanging out with all my friends for like three or four months. Okay. So basically, my life was go to work, um, I don't remember if this was must have been the summer. Or I don't remember if this had, was after I had graduated by this time or whatever, but <clears throat> I was working. I'm pretty sure I was working full time um, and I would just work full time. And then I would come home. I would read my Bible in my, I, I, my bedroom was in my basement, my parents' basement. And so I'd go down, read my Bible, eat dinner, and then usually I'll just fall asleep. And then the same thing would repeat every, every day yeah and um so i was doing that so so one night i'm doing that okay and um so i'm downstairs and reading my bible and out of nowhere and i've done this i've been doing this for like three months okay so i wasn't expecting anything different this is just mm-hmm. the status quo by this point and um I'm reading my Bible and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a voice from the inside of me, not audible, from inside of me, Mm -hmm. God's voice spoke to me and said, you need to go down or I want you to go down to your friend's house on Main Street and tell them about what has happened to you. So. Like from inside of me that happened. It was like somebody talking to me, like you're talking to me now, but yeah. there was, it, you couldn't hear it, but I knew exactly what was being said, and they were words, and it scared me to death because it had never happened to me before, and it was God telling me to go talk to my friends about, what, about that I had become a Christian, and I was absolutely petrified. I was literally fear and terror. Uh, came inside of me because what I was reading in the Bible was telling me <laughs> that if I go and do that, if I go and do that, I was reading about the the apostles and the and the prophets who would get marked, stoned and beat and persecuted. And I'm thinking in my head, I was pretty, you know, this is just how I thought. I was thinking if I go do that, I'm gonna I'm gonna get killed, man, or somebody's gonna <laughs> seriously. <laughs> you know, injure me, at least they're going to throw me out on the sidewalk with, you know, smash a beer bottle against my head and leave me bleeding on the sidewalk. And I mean, I really thought that that was going to happen. I was petrified. So, but I also knew that, it, that God just told me to do something like literally. And if I didn't do it, I was toast that way too. So I, 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 I decided to uh, take my chances with doing what God told me to do rather than
0: major persecution. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you Go share the gospel.
1: Yes. So, so I went over there and, and by this time you got, this is, this is the thing by this time, things had changed. Okay. These guys, most of my friends were living in a house and it was basically a drug house. They had all their girlfriends over there all the time. and, Um, there was a guy from Milwaukee that was selling cocaine in the Madison area and he was giving it to them for giving them cocaine for free so that he could use their house as a base of operation for him to sell in the Madison area. And so, you know, it, it had stepped up as far as what my friends were doing, as far as the drugs that they were doing. You know, now they're doing coke. And that was something that, you know, had not been um, happening before. So that was a big deal. And, you know, so I'm walking into a totally different situation. These guys are are all basically getting addicted to Coke. They're living in this terrible place. They're doing all sorts of other stuff, you know, drinking every night and weed and and acid and everything else. But now we're moving into Coke. They've got a drug dealer living with them. And I'm going over there. to go preach the gospel to him or to tell him about what happened to me. And um, and so I'm petrified. I knock on the door and Chris, you know, a guy, friend, opens the door. And yeah, I could just tell by his face that he was surprised that I was there because they hadn't seen me in four months. And he's like, hey, you know, come on in. And I'm like, all right. You know, so I'm like, good so far. I'm not, nobody's yeah. trying to hurt me. So I walk in and and I think he could tell that I felt kind of uncomfortable or weird. And I don't know if he knew why or whatever. He obviously didn't know why, but, but he's like, hey, man, you want to play foosball? They had their own foosball table. So I'm like, all right. So I walk over to the foosball table and, uh, and uh, start playing foosball. And again, the voice says to me, you're not here to play foosball. And I'm like, okay. All right. Um, okay. So there's no comfort in any of this at all, you know. It's just like I'm here for I'm here to do what God is telling me to do. So I basically like got everybody's attention, okay? Cuz this is what I was reading, you know. Paul waves his hand in the and says and starts tell, pre- telling everybody out loud what what this is all about. So yeah. I, I got everybody's attention. I'm like, "Hey, you guys, I just need to tell yeah, I need to tell you guys something." And so everybody like quieted down and they all like st- sat there and st- staring at me. Now you guys got to realize this is not normal. First of all, I was not that type type of a person. I was very quiet and I wasn't outspoken and that's not how they knew me either. And also this isn't the type of crowd that you would normally tell them to stop doing their drugs and alcohol and, and screwing around with their girlfriends and listen to,
0: to your speech. To my
1: speech. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. so. So um, they all quieted down and I just, I basically just said, um, Hey, I just, I want to tell you guys that, you know, things have changed for me. Um, I'm a Christian now and I've st- I've, I'm going to church and I'm, you know, I'm following God I'm following Jesus. And um, you know, that was basically it. Cause that's all I knew really at that point. Yeah. And they just kind of sat there like, like, you know, I don't I don't know that they knew what to say. Yeah. They were just quiet. And then one of them was like the one that you would never expect to even engage you in this conversation. He's like, Well, what church are you going to? And I was like, Oh, I'm going to high point church. And then they're like, Oh, okay, well, that's that's cool, you know. All right. And everybody's kind of like, Yeah, that's that's cool. And And then, it, you know, kind of maybe there's a couple more questions and it kind of just went back to the way it was. Okay, so.
0: No, then they they all got up and stoned you and beat the crap (laughs) out of you (laughs) and you almost died. (laughs) Hey,
1: I was expecting either that or that somebody would like repent and come to know Jesus like right then. Because yeah. that's what I was reading, and that's how I understood it. And neither of those two things happened. So I was very <laughs> confused, and I didn't know what to do at that point. And, um, you know, I, I ended up obviously leaving after a while, but I, but I kept coming back because I kept feeling that I should come back, and I kept sharing, and I kept sharing. And um, and I think, you know, I, was, I wasn't good at it, and I was probably kind of annoying. And sometimes I would get mad, and sometimes I would be judgmental, and be like, "You guys, come on! You know, you guys need to knock it off. You're just ruining your lives." Blah
0: blah blah. And you threw a beer bottle at the wall.
1: At one time, I threw a beer. See, see, that's the thing you have to remember. So <laughs> during that, you have to bring up. Yes, one time I got so upset with them because they were they were going haywire. I mean, their lives were going down the tubes right before my eyes. Um, that I threw a beer bottle through their wall, (laughs) and then I patched the beer bottle wall (laughs) hole uh, the next day because um, I made the hole, but um, I kept going back there, and I kept trying, and I kept trying, and I wasn't very good at it, and I kept trying to bring them to church, and sometimes a couple of them go, but most of the time they wouldn't, you couldn't get them up because they were probably up till 4 a.m. in the morning and trying, you know, drinking and doing drugs, and you try to get them up at you know, seven or eight and they just won't even move. So, um, but, um, so the, the guy, the drug dealer, Chris from Milwaukee. So he, after this is probably, I don't know, a couple of months of me coming back and I was kind of a regular fixture there now. And I kept coming back and, and one night I was over there and they're, and they're like, yeah, Chris, Chris got, Chris got busted and he's in jail. And I'm like, Whoa, okay. And they're like, he's in the Dane County jail. So I, as I don't know how I decided to do this. I'm assuming that I prayed about it or whatever. I don't know, but I felt like I should go visit him. And so I went up to the Dane County jail and I visited him and, um, uh, we, we talked and we had a, we had a Bible study and, um, he he was he appreciated, you know that I that I came up there and. Um, uh, you might have to edit this part because I I got to catch up. I just told that whole story. Don't forget to edit this part, okay?
0: I get, I don't edit it.
1: You don't edit it at all.
0: Not really. I mean, I don't like to edit things because it's just like fake.
1: Well, edit this part because I'm just rambling. But I gotta we'll see what happens. you we'll got if
0: this is in it or not.
1: Gotta, um, I just have notes, and I don't want to. I don't want to miss. Um, yeah. Okay. I was like three pages off my notes. So, anyways, I went up to I went up to jail and um, visited with him, and we had a Bible reading. He appreciated it, and one of the things that I remember him saying was. You know, he's like, he looked at me and he's like, you know, out of all those guys in that house that, you know, I, I had spent these last few months with, you're the only one who's come up here and visited me. And that really impacted him. Like that made a huge difference to him. And he said, you know, I, I came up a few times and one of the times he's like, um, hey, my, w- would you be willing to do a Bible study with my, my cellmate? I told him about this. And he wants to meet with you too. And I'm like, well, okay. Yeah, that's fine.
0: So I met, I, you're leading the Bible studies and you don't even know the Bible yeah, really. Right. Yeah. My,
1: my Bible studies consisted of me reading the Bible. <laughs> that's pretty much what it was. <laughs> yeah. So which they could have done by themselves, but they wanted me to do it for them. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I I went up there and, and honestly, this this started to spread throughout the jail, and so he, these guys kept asking me and adding to that list of guys. Like, can you? This other guy wants you to meet with him. This other guy wants you to meet with him. And by the time it was all said and done, there had to be between me. I, I had to recruit another guy that I met, a Christian that I had met. I had to recruit him to to help me and there's probably about 50 between the men and the women, there's probably about 50 people we were going up to the Dane County Jail and do Bible studies with every just well on the list there's was 50. It wasn't we couldn't get all 50 in every week, but we were going there three or four three or four nights a week to do all these Bible studies. So um it was just I mean it was just crazy. I mean I I it was just interesting how that all happened and that all these people wanted to to have a Bible study and that you know god was using us in this way and it just it was just really cool so mm-hmm. um, you know part of part of my testimony so that's kind of leading up to um how i became a christian and kind of what happened shortly thereafter and then kind of going past that um while i was while i was up in the madison area you know one day i was walking downtown i was walking in the state street area and i saw this this black preacher um open air preaching outside in the library mall at the end of state street and I, I i it was it wasn't that day but it was at some point after that that i i felt like i should do that i should go i should go up I, like all these people walking around all the college kids all the people walking up and down state street I want to tell them about Jesus. I want them to hear about Jesus. I should go up there and do what that guy was doing. So I started to, to do that. I started going downtown and preaching on State Street, all all around State Street and on the library mall. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> that's, that's what I did. And um, I don't know how much effect it had, but, I don't know it was it was an interesting experience. I'll say that some people were either would just walk by. I'm sure people heard what I had to say because I was shouting, but um anyway, I was one of those guys if you've ever seen me yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah for a while um, so about two years, so i you know I was pretty on on fire, and guy was doing a lot for a while, but um maybe like two years after I came to faith, um, I kind of, after doing all the preaching and all this stuff, and um, I I think I got burned out pretty much. And I was kind of doing all this kind of by myself, it felt like in some ways. And I kind of got burned out and ended up uh, relapsing back into alcohol for 4 months I moved to Kansas City and I just drank basically for 4 months and that was when I was I was about 21 at that point and uh, no I was right before I was 21 I was 20 <clears throat> and um um I don't know god god I knew god was with me through that whole time I could feel his presence but I I relapsed and you know that's it's hard it's it's hard to it's, it's hard to um, stop something that's that ingrained in you, I guess. And um, I think there was a lot of components that I was struggling with, um, with this new Christianity. And I, I think I was lonely and different things. I don't feel like I had a whole lot of close friendships at that point. So I think I just kind of gave up for a little bit, but um, God got my attention again and moved back to the, to this area. And, um, really shortly after that, I met my wife, Carrie, uh, Andy's mom and, yeah. uh, yeah. And so that's another, I guess you'd say another chapter. Um,
0: she's going to be on this probably next week or something. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, so it'll be interesting to compare and contrast our two versions of what happened
0: and just to hear how different you guys are. Oh yeah. My, oh yeah. My my mom will not prepare, she will not write <laughs> notes on this and she will come in and say things that will I probably should edit but won't. And, then, <laughs> <laughs> and so we'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah, that would be that would be good. That'll be fun. Um, so, so that's, you know, that that's a big part of my testimony because what happened between Carrie and I, obviously we got married, but there's a lot that happened during that time period. And also with our family moving forward and a lot of that stuff affected you, Andy. Um, yeah. and that, and that will play into your testimony, you know, and which is already out, which is already out. So Um, so basically we were, I was going to a singles, a singles group at High Point, um, called Hoyt Park Connection. And, um, one day I'm in the foyer of the church going to the singles night, whatever. And I, I went to, I went to high school with Carrie, but we did not run in the same, in the same, uh, social circles. So, um, so what oh are you can you see me
0: yeah i can see you're looking at me are you are you doing something no i'm looking at you i I wasn't doing anything all right gotcha all right
1: i I, it it just felt like you were like like surfing the internet or something i'm I'm not i feel like if you're not listening to me that i i like somebody's not listening to me it's hard for me to to, to
0: (laughs) i wasn't doing anything (laughs) i was on the i'm listening to you checking just checking (laughs) Yeah, he started waving his hands uh, for people who can't see. He started waving his hands into the camera because I, I don't know why. This is another I, section I, I, I'm I
1: I'm, I'm, uh, I'm expecting you to edit out. So
0: I'm not yeah, I'm not editing that out. All right, well, <laughs> I
1: guess I guess we're done then. I quit. Um. <laughs> yeah. So. So, anyways, so she walked. So I had gone to high school with her, and she. She walks in. I know I recognized her, and like, I'm like, wow, why, what is she doing here? Because I was going to a church on the west side, and I'm from some prairie, which is a half hour away, and I was really surprised to see somebody that I recognized from some prairie. And um, she walks in, she rec- that she recognizes me right, right away. She walks straight up to me and just basically shares her whole life story within a matter of like 30 seconds. And I'm just kind of standing there like, Oh, you know, I was a little, I didn't really know what to say. And I don't know what I said. I I probably just was like, okay, wow, that's great. Good. You know? And, and that, I mean, that's just her personality. She's just gonna, she's just gonna boom, confront it right on and, and and go up and share everything. (laughs) That's just that's just how it is, but I. She I, didn't.
0: She didn't have Aaron with her, did she? No, or was he? He wasn't no, there.
1: He was not. No, this was. Yeah, this was. I think she had a. She had him somewhere else. Um. So. So basically, um. Um, we started to kind of hang out within this Hoyt Park connection group, and and started to hang out. Eventually, started to hang out with a lot. And, um, she, by the, at this point in her life, she had a one and a half year old, which is Aaron's, um, Aaron's, Aaron's brother, yeah. Andy's brother, Aaron. Um, so Aaron was one and a half and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My Andy roommate
0: walked in <laughs> yeah. and he's in the background. He's trying to figure out what's happening. Yeah. This is for the theology podcast. Yeah. (laughs) What? Yes. Okay. All right. Go ahead.
1: So Aaron. So Aaron was one and a half by this by this point because Carrie had gotten pregnant at 19 and had Aaron and she'll talk about that. I'm sure at length during her testimony. But so when I met her, Aaron was one and a half and that's Andy's Andy's um, half brother. Um, Yeah. And uh, So, you know, her and I started started actually dating and within three months we got married. So <laughs> it went it went really fast. And um and I guess one, I guess as I'm telling this story, you know, one thing to keep in mind is that Carrie and I were extremely immature at this age, and I would say especially me. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was extremely immature um at this age and i came from as i was saying before a lot of dysfunction and a lot of it i still hadn't dealt with on my part um i i was i was definitely not ready at this point to be a husband and i was definitely not ready to be a father because aaron was already there and um you know there was a lot of there was a lot of pain and grief that was caused um, by us being where we we're at and getting married at this stage, and um, I'm not saying what I, I guess I'll say about it is that you'll you'll hear through the story kind of how it went. But God brought God is faithful, and He has He has brought a lot of good out of some very difficult things and some very bad decisions on our part. So, um, mm. so I so I had proposed to Carrie and she accepted and we told our families and carrie's dad within a matter of you know a couple of hours (laughs) had planned the entire wedding and because of my immaturity and just my control issues at that time um i was like no you're not going to plan our wedding um and if you, and, and I, I got cold feet because I was like, I didn't, I didn't want the kind of wedding that he was planning and they didn't even talk to me about it. And I, and I got cold feet and I was like, no, I'm, I I want to have this certain type of wedding. And this is how selfish I was. Okay. So everybody's hearing this, but I called it, I called it off. I called off the wedding because I was so um, freaked out about how that had transpired. And, um, all the women right now are probably <laughs> wanting to kill me and hate me. But um, so so I broke off the engagement. And then um, I guess we were broken up for, Carrie says, four weeks. And my mom, so my mom had didn't want us to get married. She thought we were making a mistake and getting married too young. So when we told her about it, she was like, I think you guys should wait. And so when we broke up, my mom thought with it because she didn't communicate with us. She thought that she was the reason why we broke up. So she started to feel guilty. So she, so she felt guilty about that. And she, she, she wanted us to try to patch things up. So she gave us some gift certificates to Red Lobster to go out to dinner. And so we were broken up. We, hadn't, we, were, we weren't really talking. And my mom gives me the gift certificates. And I, I think I did. I still did want to marry her. I was just completely spooked by this whole thing with her dad and how everything was going, and I, I couldn't handle it. So, um, so, so I call her and I'm like, wanna, "Do you want to? Do you want to go out?" And she's like, "Yeah." So we went out, and um, we went to Red Lobster. We ordered a, a glass of wine, which I shouldn't have done because I'm a, I'm a recovering alcoholic, basically and that was the first mistake but we ordered a glass of wine and um she goes back she comes she comes back with a craft of wine and says we didn't have the kind that you wanted so here's a complimentary craft on the house so we're like which was
0: like satan speaking yeah, yeah that's that, right yeah your, your waiter at that day ended up being satan yeah.
1: <laughs> so so that wasn't a good situation. We drank the craft. And by the time we left, we were not completely sober. And we ended up going to two other bars after that. And I got completely waste, completely wasted. And then other things happened between us that aren't supposed to happen. Um, until you're married and, you know, I'm, At that point, you know, it was just not a good situation. And we made, you know, horrible mistakes by drinking and by continuing to drink. And then that led to other things that were not appropriate. And then um, the next day I wake up and realize everything that had happened. And I'm like, I felt absolute guilt. And I felt like the only solution to that was that if, if, we like speed this whole thing up and and um you know get married and maybe get married like now and i so i asked her i was like are you do you want to i, I feel really bad about what happened i don't think that was right are do you would you be willing to elope with me and she's like yeah because she's crazy because <laughs> who would say yeah to that i don't i don't know uh, what female would be like, yeah, okay, let's do it. I, <laughs>
0: I don't know. So we left. This is going to be, this is like, we did the dating podcast on this podcast, <laughs> the dating paradigm. And like, I think that this is, <laughs> this is like the opposite of that or something. Yeah, this I is the know. undating
1: podcast. This is what you do not do podcast when it comes yeah, to. Is,
0: yeah. That's basically what it is.
1: So, so we left that night to chicago and we get to chicago and aaron's with us one and a half year old so me carrie and aaron drive to chicago we get there we we get a hotel we, we didn't you know we slept separately whatever but um we 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 nothing happened and we didn't you know whatever so um we were gonna get married and we I, we opened the phone book okay to because they had those back then and we wanted to find somebody who would marry us, so we looked under weddings or whatever. So we found a guy in the in the phone book, and I called him, and I'm like, hey, we want to get married tomorrow, because it was nighttime by this time. And he's like, well, you you there's a one-day waiting period in Illinois, and um, in order to get married, you have to apply for your license tomorrow, and then you have to wait 24 hours, and I can marry you the next day. And I'm telling Carrie this, and she's like, well, I have to work the next day. I can't. So you know priorities. You know we're, we're yeah. we 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 can't you know we can't wait that extra day because she has to work. When we're talking about marriage, we 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 just didn't have our. I think we were a little bit mixed up there, but um. But he says this guy says, well, you know what we could do, is we could just have the ceremony tomorrow. Go get your license tomorrow. We'll have the ceremony tomorrow, but we'll just. When we do, when we do the ceremony, we'll just put on the certificate that that, that it happened the day after. So essentially you're going to get married when you shouldn't get married, but we're just going to say, we got, we waited the 24 hours and you're not going to wait the 24 hours. You're going to do it the next day. Yeah. So we're like, okay, that, that's, that <laughs> sounds like a good idea, right? I mean, he's saying it. I don't know. That'll work. Carrie can get back to work. Let's, let's do that.
0: Yeah. And, I, I know that mom had no objections to that. There's no way she, <laughs> she had objections to that. She was probably 100% okay with and, it. And and I, I
1: didn't either. So I, so so we met this guy in his, the next day, Cook County, Illinois, in his apartment building foyer, we got married. And he came out with a sheet of paper, laminated sheet of paper that on one side was religious Ceremony on the other side was a non religious ceremony, and he's like, Which one do you guys want? We're in jeans and sweatshirts. Aaron was with us, one and a half year old witness to the wedding, yeah. and um, we said, Well, the religious one. And right there in the apartment, he uh, the ceremony um was done, and and we were married, and um, that was that <clears throat> kind of, and maybe I'll get into that a little bit later,
0: but um. You're an hour and ten minutes in, just so you know, yeah, so I'm, I'm not saying, yeah, you can go as long as you yeah, want, but
1: yeah, and so, um, so we have so I mean that was the beginning of our marriage, and about the first about the first six months were okay, about the first six months were okay, but after about six months it 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 went downhill and it went downhill, like like fast like really fast and um we we did not like each other we did not um we 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 weren't getting along we were fighting all the time i was very rude carrie had anger issues um it was not going well at all and um we were wondering by within six months we were wondering you know what did we get ourselves into? This is absolutely horrible. This was a total mistake. This can't be what marriage is supposed to be like. And it was a disaster. I mean, we, we didn't like each other. We hated each other. So um, we, we met with our pastor at that point, which we had switched to a different church. We weren't going to High Point after we got married. And we asked, you know, we, we met with him a few times. And I remember, like, after a few a few meetings he just he just looked at us and he's like he's like you guys um I can't help you mm-hmm. and I'm like I'm like what and he's like I, I I'm not gonna be able to help you. He's like I don't I I think you guys need professional help. <clears throat> and for, to hear him say that was kind of scary because that he's, meant pastor. We were just, he's the pastor and he can't help us. We mm-hmm. must be really messed up, which we were And, um, you know, that we did end up going to professional counseling and that led to a long, a long, um, habit of professional counseling, uh, without which, um, which really helped us, but without which we, I'm sure would not be married right now because we just did not have the skills to navigate, um, a healthy marriage. I mean, coming from where I was coming from and coming from where she was coming from and And I, and you got to, you know, think about it. I'm, I'm also a dad the same day I'm getting married and I wasn't prepared for that. I was actually was ill prepared for that because of how I was brought up. And, you know, there was just so many issues and it was very difficult. And, um, you know, we, we went to a lot of counseling and we made a lot of mistakes and, um, It was just very difficult, but God was faithful, and He continued to keep us from from getting a divorce and from, you know, having affairs and all sorts of stuff. So, um, it could have been it could have went way worse than it did. Um, two years two years into our marriage, we had Andy. Yours truly, or
0: best thing that ever happened. Best thing that ever happened to this family. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> That's so You uh, were going to High Point again then though, because I was dedicated yeah, there. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yep. Yeah. We did go back to High Point. And then four years after that, we fostered Austin, Andy and Aaron's younger brother. And then we eventually adopted Austin. So the dynamics of our family, if you if you're if you're kind of following all this, I mean my issues from growing up in my family with alcoholism and, and dysfunction and all that, Carrie's issues from her family, but also getting pregnant at 19, being a single mom, getting married really young, having all sorts of problems within our marriage, me becoming a father on the same day I get married, and then at the same time being a stepfather, which was a whole nother dynamic. And there was custody battles between Carrie and Aaron's dad and there's issues there um and then we adopted a child who had special needs whose mother was um a drug addict and um he he had come from Austin had come from abuse and neglect in in his first year and a half of life and you know we brought all this into our family and i don't know if you know how that would play itself out, but it does not go very smoothly. It doesn't make for a smooth transition. And if you don't, if you're not on top of all that stuff and you don't know what's going on, um, you can, you you can just wake up one day and, and not have any clue of, of, of why things are the way they are. Is that, yeah? you can explain what is your comments? On I mean,
0: that? I think <laughs> that that's, yeah, like all hell broke loose every week. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> like, that's basically what happened. Like, one week, Aaron was punching a hole through the wall. We call the cops on him. Then he runs away from home. The next week, I'm like watching a ton of porn and like just telling my teachers to F off and. You know, and then Austin the next week kicks mom in the face and starts throwing a temper tantrum in the middle of the mall. Or like, yeah, I mean that's like week after week after week, probably from like fifth grade for me on. And then Aaron graduated, and then Aaron in high school was crazy. Then I then I was crazy in high school, and now Austin's almost done with high school. And like, it it's basically our house was like a melting pot for. Just effed up people yeah. <laughs> and and then well, yeah,
1: and if you wait and if you're if you're a parent and if you're a kid going through that, you don't understand if you don't understand what's happening, it just you you're just you just like you 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 don't understand what's happening, and it's just a very difficult situation, and it can blow up and cause all sorts of major issues, so um all that was going on, and um. Um I would say we we're pretty in over our heads and we really didn't have a whole lot of skills and maturity, but I, I will say the counseling um throughout the years helped a lot to keep us from going crazy, really. And to to start to begin to figure out, you know, all these issues that we really still needed to deal with and needed to come to terms with um and and work through. Um so let's see, it looks so I'll just move into maybe the last phase of, of, um, my testimony here and then, um, we'll kind of go from there. But, um, so during this time when Andy was probably, I don't know, you were, what, you were pretty young, you were in kindergarten. Um, Oh, what? When we moved to Sock. What do you, when we moved to oh, yeah, I was yeah kindergarten so when the kids were pretty young we decided well we need to get we need to get somewhere better than than madison where you know mayberry where everything is nice and wonderful and and everybody's great and there's no crime and everything so we moved out to sock city prairie du Sac.
0: And um, which was the exact opposite, <laughs> which is like if yeah, it was so, yeah, basically, it's like saying like we wanted to go somewhere great, so we moved to like Afghanistan, <laughs> which I don't know if I can even say that, but like it was basically like <laughs> just your typical like Schmidt decision, it's just like, yeah, we're gonna make a good decision here, and then moving to probably the worst possible place that you could pick to move, yeah.
1: Yeah, we bought a an enormous house, and we we're living the Christian dream, and in, in our eyes, and Carrie and I got pretty heavily involved in the in the church in SOC. and eventually, I actually became um, an elder in the church, and so I was serving as an elder, um, and during that time, um, some circumstances happened that kind of define, I think for all of our kids and all of our family, you know, the next few years of our life moving into even now. Um, so I, at that time, I ended up, I lost my job um, and I, it was, it was for something that happened years before that I was still working at the same place, but it had come to light and um, they ended up firing me. and because of the circumstances surrounding that um carrie told me i needed to to leave our house like to move out that <laughs> we separated for a little while for like and during this time um that was extremely difficult for me because i was i was very attached to my family i was very attached to everybody And to me, and coming from with my history and everything and abandonment issues and all that, this felt like a death sentence to me. So um, that was a very tumultuous time. And I know it was for the kids, too, because you guys thought that we had a pretty stable, secure existence before this time. And then it seemed like everything went absolutely crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was good. And then it was like good. And then basically... I came home. You didn't have a job, and then I just went to basketball practice and tried to pretend like nothing happened, and it didn't work for long. And you, <laughs> then yeah, you you got kicked out, and then everybody just started doing their own things. Like like mom would come home every day, just do her own thing, sit in her bedroom. Aaron would do his own thing. I don't even know what Austin would do, and I just play basketball. And I and nobody talked about it. Or if I and I wanted to bring it up, I feel like I, this is probably part of my personality. But I wanted to, I I would bring it up, and then you know, mom would say things like, "Well, we're probably getting a divorce," which is some crap that like her parents might say or something because they just got big mouths and they just got to <laughs> say stuff. And so, like that, scared the crap out of me. And then, and like, and like, yeah. And then we started using paper plates. <laughs> which, if you don't, if you don't understand that reference, go back to my <laughs> pot, testimony podcast because I hate that we use paper plates it was it was like this whole like symbolism for me and then things got worse yeah so that's what was going on we
1: we went from dinners with real plates to everybody fend for yourself here's some paper plates and some plastic forks find some food
0: basically and that's and that not much food yeah and not much food because you guys didn't you weren't working and mom worked like part time yeah. and the house that we had was big and you couldn't afford that so basically it was like here's a can of beans and like put it in the microwave yeah. and like put it on your stupid paper plate and be happy and i was like oh, yeah that's yeah. terrible so yes. that's what we got
1: yes yeah so um so the all this chaos started happening we we ended up going back to counseling um for you know, for a long time after that, but um, I, I ended up because of all this chaos. I ended up stepping down from being an elder, and um, you know, yeah, because life... you
0: were an elder at the church in Sauk. Yeah, you didn't say that. So. Okay,
1: and and I think it's just everything changed at that point, and I ended up coming back home, but like everything was it was just different after that, and life changed for our for our family. And one of the things for me that changed was that like I I thought before this happened that my christianity was was good and that I was doing everything god wanted me to and that I understood god pretty well and um when this happened I really started to question Because I felt like my family was being ripped away from me and I felt like, you know, I lost my job and I felt like everything was changing at such a rapid pace. And then I had to step down and our church started to kind of ostracize us and and push us away because all these problems were coming up in our life. And they started distancing themselves from us instead of embracing us. And that hurt. God
0: forbid, you know, God forbid you have problems in the church
1: well that hurt i mean that was that was deeply hurtful because we were really close to these people and all this stuff was happening and i started to question i was like you know something's not right i don't understand something or or i don't understand a lot because this is not what i would have ever thought would happen and why is this all happening and what have what have i done to put myself in a position that all this could happen and that i'm completely shocked that it is happening like something's something's wrong with my theology so i started to <clears throat> at that point I, I started to just like like i'm going to i'm 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 not going to take what other people are feeding me about christianity anymore i'm going to find out for myself what god actually is saying and I'm going to, I'm going to live the way that he wants me to. And I'm not going to put up with this baloney stuff because this isn't working. I mean, if the church has abandoned us, my whole family's in disarray. Everything's gone completely haywire. You Some, don't
0: have a job. You were working at like Menards. Well, yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. For a while. Yeah. And <laughs> <I don't, laughs> you know, I I need to figure out what God is calling me to, I need to figure out what this is all about and, I started to like really, really, really seek after God and really um basically do a ton of reading. And I actually started a commentary series starting in Genesis at that time. And right now, that was what, how many years ago was that? Seven years that ago? That was
0: like, I no, that was more than, it was like eight, yeah, I guess seven okay. or eight years.
1: That was eight years ago, and I'm in Luke in the same commentary series. I'm at Luke now, going from Genesis all the way through, yeah. and 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 the reason why I did that was because I just I felt like I like something wasn't right in what a, how I was believing how I was thinking, and I, and in a lot of ways I was right. I mean, from going through this commentary series over the last eight years and learning so much more about God and about Scripture and about what God actually thinks and about who He actually is and how you look at a verse when you just read it in, in your Bible and you automatically filter it the way that you filter it, but then you read what it actually was meant to say, the difference between those two things are, are typically very big. And my, my whole thought process about God and about Christianity, about theology has changed enormously because of that whole situation my my thoughts about my family, biblically about my family and about what family is and what marriage is and all that stuff, all that stuff has changed drastically, and my priorities have changed. So, in some way, and and i and this happened, you know, in in all through my testimony with my situation in high school with our marriage, I said, you know, it, we made a lot of bad decisions, but God brought something good out of it. And then this last situation. Um, where our family felt like it was falling apart. Yeah, we probably we probably caused all that unknowingly and and some of it knowingly. But God took all of these bad situations and he did bring something very, very good out of it. And then like I say, the last case, he's he changed my faith in many, many ways that had I not gone through that stuff, I never, ever would have pursued and changed in that way. So you know we just have to we're just going through stuff we don't even know what's going on half the time, but God is doing something, and he's doing something significant and when it's and when it's painful is usually when he's doing the most and when you think yeah. when you feel the most out of control and the most like what in the world is happening here, he's probably doing the most in those situations
0: well, it's like uh. <clears throat> He, I, I felt like, yeah, when he did all that stuff to our fam- like to our family, and everything fell apart, and like if you were to think like back then, like okay, would I stay a Christian? Would Aaron, um, would Austin want to be a Christian? Would you guys even stay Christians? Would this like, like at like at that point, anything anything could happen. Like I, you know, like I all the way up until I was eighteen, I could have gone nuts and just left and never came back Aaron could have done the same thing but like I feel like God had to for our family had to like just destroy all of our egos and just shred us to pieces and put us out there and then be like like I think I think we all came to the realization like sometime in there it was like I I suck I can't do anything yeah. And like, I just have to just let God do whatever he wants because this is stupid. And every time that I try to do something, he just wrecks it. And and it wasn't even a good idea in the first place. And like, I, I feel like that's what had to happen. And like the idea of being like a, like a quote unquote, like the good Christian family. Like we, we like kind of were that the good Christian family. Like you were an elder. We were really involved. I was good at the church stuff. Aaron went, Austin went, we were all the Awanas and all that crap. And then, and then no like i don't think there's such thing as a good christian family they're just like people who are just effed up and then god like
1: i can tell you what there is i can tell you that there's a lot of christians out there christian families out there who present themselves in a way that they want other people to see them as good christians and they don't deal with the actual problems that are going on in their actual lives and the things that God really wants to get to. And that's that's what was happening with us. And we didn't even know it.
0: It's yeah, cool we love the facade. Yeah. The, that that's what it feels good because everybody thinks you're good. Oh yeah. And you're not. And that and that's like part of the reason why I wanted to do these testimonies, because I'm so sick of the church and people being so fake and like like that's not even when you read scripture like you never see Paul like talking, like not bringing up his past or something like that. He's not ever shying away from his past or the crap that he's done or the crap that he did. Those guys were all like open and honest about it because Christianity to them wasn't a facade; it was like it was an ongoing thing. And so, I yeah, I don't know. I, I would rather have people spill their guts about this stuff than pretend like there's nothing going on, which is what a lot of Christians do, and it's it's, it's honestly it's pathetic. And most non Christians can see right through that, so.
1: All right. Well, that that's that's um, that, your commentary on on <laughs> on the uh, on our family's um,
0: yeah. That's experience. well. That's yeah. why I did, that's why yeah. That's why I want to do more testimonies of people because I don't think people get to hear this stuff how messed up people are and well, then how God changes them. Well,
1: that's one of the things that that Carrie, you know, your mom always always says is that you know we need to hear more testimonies because you're right i mean that's that's real life you know we can we can um kind of present ourselves a certain way that we want other people to see us nowadays or maybe change history in some ways when we talk about ourselves but you know hearing about what other people have gone through in their life and the difficulties is ex- it's just extremely powerful and god god uses it to influence people in a big way
0: it, that's what that's like if you look at the new testament when jesus tells a lot of people like go and tell everybody what what you've seen and heard and what, or like what what i've done to you or what i've done for, like tell people your testimony mm-hmm. like that's what changes people yeah. like when they when they see who you once were and now who you are and they're like okay it's, it's possible it's not like being like oh i was always a good christian and god like needed me to the end <laughs> And then it's like that okay. there's no nobody even thinks that. Nobody even believes that. Yeah. So yeah. I don't did you have anything else?
1: Well, just to just to wrap everything up, I mean, um and and you know, just to put an ending to it. I mean, since all this has happened, I mean we've grown, we've changed. Carrie and I still working through stuff. Aaron is now married to a Christian a Christian woman, a great Christian woman. Um they're they're living their lives and and following Jesus. Um, Andy is, um, you know, doing everything that he's doing and following Christ. And then you know, Austin's a senior; he's he's almost graduated. So um, there's a lot of positive things that are happening. And out of out of what started to be the deep dark pit that that God showed me that where I was heading a lot, he's done so many things contrary to that, that, you know, it's just amazing to me, all the things that he's actually done and that deep dark pit would have been my, my future. Um, But it's not, this is, this is my future and my, my, my future beyond this is, is even brighter because, you know, we're going to heaven and we're going to be with God yeah. for eternity. So I just, I just think that's a, that's a great, um, it's just a great thing for me to think back on is that, wow, that was my, that was where I was headed. And I could have, and I, that could have happened me going into basically the, the depth of nowhere and despair and and darkness and god took me out of that and he despite me over the whole time period despite despite all my mistakes and all my problems um he keeps bringing good out of my life so
0: yeah so i guess that's the end of your testimony right you got nothing else yeah um yeah. I don't know. I I haven't done one of these in a while, so I forget how to close this stuff out. Uh, basically. Yeah. I mean, that's usually one of my favorite stories to tell. Like I usually tell your, your testimony to people who are like, <laughs> who are like even more messed up than me. Cause I, I tell them like, like you were involved in like, you know, drugs and drinking and some of the stuff that I wasn't involved in and like, yeah, I think that that's important. I also want to get Josh on the podcast to do his testimony too, yeah. so you, so people can kind of hear about him and like he's somebody that you hung out with. You didn't mention this, but like two of your close friends ended up dying from the drug overdoses. Yeah, I don't um, know if you wanted that to be mentioned. I I, I, just,
1: I yeah, I, I didn't mention that. But Jason and Mark, I mean, Jason was a really close friend of mine from second grade on, and he overdosed and he's gone now and you know that's that's where that's the that's the the route that i was headed and that was the route that my friends were on and then mark did the same thing they both OD'd and you know i i just look at that and i i feel terrible that they that they OD'd and i feel terrible that you know, anybody has to go through that. And I just look at all that. And it just, it it's just another thing though, that I think of. And I think how different, how different my life has changed from that to what it is now, even with all my mistakes, even now, but, you know, Mark and Jason, they're gone and, yeah. and, you know, they don't have a chance to, to come back. And it's, you know, so it's, that's true. Yeah. That's the, that's the yeah there's that is, like thing. young
0: people that listen to this there's going to be young people that listen to this who who are like into that crap because and like that's what they don't get is that you don't come back like you you die i don't know this just pisses me off because i know a lot of people my age right now that are on those on, on drugs and they're doing all that crap and there's no like they don't care there's nothing there
1: yeah well i'll
0: tell you what i don't know a
1: lot of people Uh, care cared and care and i mean i don't know how to say this but you know it's 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 just not it's not it's it's not something to to mess around with and i don't think mark and jason wanted to die i mean i would i would highly doubt that and their heart of hearts that they wanted to overdose and die but they did and they're gone they don't have a second chance anymore and a lot of people they they left a lot of people in their wake who has to deal with that you know and that causes a lot of pain and a lot of um hurt a lot of sorrow so um yeah i mean that's that's um definitely something that people need to think about and not you know and not and and not just not go down that road and 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 start making changes if you are down that road and start moving the other direction and cry out to Jesus cuz honestly he's the only one who's probably going to actually help you out of that if he can help me out of uh alcohol and and the addiction pornography and different addictions that I was addicted to he has the power to help anybody out of any addiction
0: but you got to yeah. trust him i mean even you got like go back to John's testimony John was on harder drugs than you were on and John's out of that too and my roommate Asher he's he was on acid all just anything and he's off now so uh, yeah i mean there's nobody that's too messed up for Jesus to heal him absolutely not Je-
1: so. god okay god raised Jesus from the the power that god used to raise Jesus from the dead okay that's the kind of power that god has right so if Good. he can raise Jesus from the dead, from a dead man, he can, he can, mm-hmm. he can save you from your addiction.
0: Yeah. Your drug addiction is like small yeah. <laughs> compared to death. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's big. Um, we're like an hour and 40 minutes in. Uh, I think if people want to talk to you, they can, I mean, I don't know, you you can text or email the Optive thing and i'll give you his number or something if, or anything like that most of the people who come on you can probably talk to him figure out how to talk to him um yeah this is my dad ty schmidt thanks for coming on the thank you. podcast uh, my mom will be on and it will be that uh, will be a roller coaster <laughs> so um yeah thanks for coming on we uh, i guess that's it so we'll see you guys in the next one thank you